Technology, welcome back for some of you who are listening. And uh, if this is your first episode you're diving into, welcome. Uh, my name is Luke. I've been doing this for, oh man, how many episodes? We got 10 out. So that would be, what, five months? Oh my goodness, it doesn't seem like we've been doing that for this long. Um, well, it, you know, we post these things uh, every other week uh, on a Monday at 6 a.m. is when it's supposed to release. I think one time we had an issue where Spotify kind of didn't do what it was supposed to do. Hopefully, in the future, we won't have that issue. Uh, once again, I just want to thank you guys uh, for continuing to listen, to taking your time out of your day, to kind of hear it you know, in your work day, through your headphones, however that looks for you. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Uh, sadly, once again, this week, you're going to have just little old me here. Uh, my partner, John, is not able to record. He's got family stuff, new baby uh, who come in and still trying to figure out that little, you know, work-life balance type thing. Uh, super fun trying to get used to all of that. So you got me again this week. Uh, also, I know that last week we had talked about, or the last podcast, sorry, that we had talked about that this week was supposed to be an interview with uh, with a gentleman uh, who's dealt with sorrow and you know, and mourning and things like that. Um, but sadly, uh, we weren't able to kind of get it scheduled out in time for this one. But for sure, I have it on the schedule to record this com- uh, this next Saturday. So it's going to be awesome. We're going to record it. And it, I'm just super stoked about it. I think it's going to help a lot of men and help a lot of people know that it's okay to feel things, to be sure put that on your calendar uh, that it's it's coming it's going to be awesome so instead of this week being the interview uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to kind of skip over into what was going to be the next one which is we're going to talk about anxiety um, and so anxiety is one of those topics that it, it's it's a little tough for men to talk about right you know, men deal with anxiety all the time, but we have a hard time talking to people about it because, well, a lot of times anxiety comes out, comes from the need to control, um, to have control over the situation that's going on. And it can vary in different ways, but we're going to, we're going to dive in to how that looks scripturally. I'm going to read another blog post as I did last week about depression. We're going to read a blog post this week also from the same place, uh, psychiatry.org, just what is, what are anxiety disorders? Um, Because there's multiple different ones and, and some are more extreme than others, you know, but uh, anxiety is the most common mental health disorder that people in general deal with. Uh, They say about 30% of adults at some point in time in their life will experience um, anxiety. You know, it's something, like I said, I think most men go through it 
most men probably don't reach out because obviously a lot of that 30% is drastically more uh, for women, but that's because men in general typically don't reach out for help quite as often uh, as women do in a therapeutic sense, um, as, which... <laughs> is not necessarily a good statistic that doesn't necessarily mean that men don't deal with it it's just men don't typically reach out for help on these and so um so we'll just go ahead so what are anxiety disorders so anxiety is a normal reaction to stress uh mild levels of anxiety can be beneficial in some situations which were actually the bible talks about that it can alert us to danger it can help us prepare for and pay attention anxiety disorders differ from normal feelings of nervousness or anxiousness uh, and involve excessive fear or anxiety. anxiety anxiety disorders are more common of mental health are are the more, most common of mental health disorders they affect nearly 30% of adults at some point in their lives however anxiety disorders are treatable with a number of uh, psychotherapeutic treatments um, so whether that's medication or just therapy sessions or a combination of those uh, treatment helps most people lead normal productive lives anxiety refers to anticipation of uh, of future concern and is more associated with muscle tension and avoidance behavior. Fear is an emotional response to an immediate threat or is more associated with a fight or flight reaction, either staying or, you know, leaving uh, to escape danger. Anxiety disorders can cause people to avoid situations that trigger or worsen their symptoms. Job performance, schoolwork, and personal relationships can be affected in general. For a person to be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, the fear uh, or anxiety must, one, be out of proportion to the situation or be age inappropriate, or two, hinder the ability to function normally. And with that, like I said, there's a lot of different types of anxiety disorders. It lists like a few here. So like generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, uh, with or without uh, agoraphobia, specific phobias, um, social anxiety disorder, separation anxiety disorder, um, selective mutism, things like that. So we'll kind of get into a little bit of what each one of those are. Um, but and, and these are just like I think a few of the most common ones, these aren't like all of them. Um, anxiety is, is kind of similar to depression in a sense that there is, it's such a generalized thing. It's hard to necessarily pinpoint a specific cause. Um, but it kind of goes on to talk about, you know, generalized anxiety disorder. So generalized anxiety disorder involves persistent and excessive worry that interferes with daily activities. This ongoing worry and tension may be accompanied by physical symptoms such as restlessness, feeling on the edge, or easily fatigued, 
difficulty concentrating, muscle tension, or problems sleeping. Often the worries focus on everyday things such as job responsibilities, family health, or minor matters such as chores, car repairs, or appointments. What I think most of the cases are are kind of under there, you know, especially for men, we get wrapped up into work, you know, getting stressed out about work or having anxiety about meeting certain deadlines, uh, and that causes us to react physically in a way that's not like normal or good right and so that that makes us overwork ourselves or underwork because you know so you go one or two ways in that right so like say you have like a stressful time at work so either you overwork yourself to where you're completely burnt out or you think there's too you feel like there's too much going on so you just kind of give up on it Neither way is really good in any of that. And so then our next one is like panic disorder. So the core symptom of panic disorder is recurrent panic attacks or overwhelming or an overwhelming combination of physical and psychological distress. During an attack, several of these symptoms occur in combination. So uh, palpitations, uh, your heart, you know, your heart rate spikes, um, sweating, trembling, or shaking, feeling of shortness of breath or uh, smothering sensations, chest pain, feeling dizzy, lightheaded, or faint, feeling of choking, numbness, or tingling, chills, or hot flashes, nausea, or abdominal pains, feeling distracted, fear of losing control, fear of dying. Because the symptoms can be quite severe, some people who experience panic attacks may believe they are having a heart attack or some other life-threatening illness. They may go to the hospital emergency department, you know, react in a very fearful way. Panic attacks may be uh, expected, such as a response to a feared object or unexpected, apparently occurring for no reason. Uh, The mean age of onset of onset of panic disorder is 20 to 24 panic attacks may occur with other mental disorders such as depression or ptsd and then we have obviously phobias uh, specific phobias Uh, so a specific phobia is an excessive or persistent fear of a specific object situation or activity that is generally not harmful patients know their fear is excessive but they can't overcome it these fears cause such distress that people go to extreme lengths to avoid what they fear. Examples are public speaking, fear of flying, or like a fear of spiders, right? Like they will go very, very far away from said thing that they're um, afraid of. Um, and then we have agro, uh, sorry, agoraphobia. Uh, agoraphobia is the fear of being in situations where escape may be difficult or embarrassing or help might not be available in the event of panic symptoms. The fear is out of proportion to the actual situation and lasts generally six months or more and causes problems in functioning. A person with agoraphobia experiences this fear in two or more of the following situations so using like public transportation uh being in open spaces being in enclosed spaces uh standing in a line or being in a crowded space um 
like being outside the home alone um you know just different little things like that uh like i said it's typically a fear of being in a situation that like it's like you blow up a situation um so for instance let's say you are in a crowded space and all of a sudden you think of like a shooting that had happened months ago and then you start freaking out and being very fearful and you start kind of losing you know and having almost panic attacks or just general you know intense fear or anxiety um about that that could happen even though there's no immediate threat there's nothing like people go to concerts all the time right people go to events all the time and nothing like that happens at the majority of events uh but and i hope i'm pronouncing that correct i may totally be pronouncing that incorrect i believe it is agora uh agoraphobia i think i could be wrong you guys can correct me if i am <laughs> Uh, all right, so the next one, um, I, I, I've actually seen this one uh, a couple, you know, uh, several times, especially when I've worked. Uh, I've worked retail and things like that for a little while. Uh, but social anxiety disorder, uh, I've seen people that just cannot be around people for an extended period of time or any time at all. Um, at least people they don't trust. But a lot of it is all just, it's a discomfort. It's a significant anxiety about being embarrassed, humiliated, uh, rejected, or looked down on in social interactions. So it's like this very, very big fear of like, okay, we're, if I try to step out and go into the store and buy groceries, people are going to start making fun of me for the things that I'm putting in my basket, right? Like, not very logical thinking, but at the same time, it's one of those, it's just part of it. It's that fear, that, that judgment, uh, uh, down on ourselves and how people view us. Um, and then we have like separation anxiety disorder. Um, so typically we see this in children more than we do adult, especially if a parent's been, uh, ov overly protective and, you know, don't allow your children to go to even like family or close people that you know and trust. Like, I'm not saying you should just get your kids out there and send them out to everybody's house, whether you truly know them or not. No, not saying that at all. Um, cause that can be dangerous and, and things like, and bad things can happen in those situations but we don't also don't want to be overly protective in a sense that like if it's somebody you know and trust and you've been with for a very very long time you know obviously like it, it's okay in those sense right let them get out let them let them have some time away from you um you know but we do see this separation anxiety order typically is in children i have seen this in adults as well um and typically it's all this is primarily just because they become very reliant on that person in some way shape form or fashion to the point that they feel if they're not around that person or they don't know when that person is going to come back at a certain time or if you know then they start getting very anxious and they they kind of like i said typically very invalid in the feelings um not all the time is it invalid uh but 
you know, because sometimes there are, there is trauma involved in a separate, you know, in being separated from somebody that you love. But typically that's not the case. Um, but like I said, this mostly occurs in children than it does adult, but it can occur in adults. Um, and then the other one that I thought was really interesting was the selective mutism, which once again, this is typically seen in children. Um, and I bring up these ones that, that we see in children just because these are ones that we may come across and have to deal with um, with our kids and help them work on these things with our kids um, because uh, ultimately the Bible gives us some pretty clear things about what how we should deal with anxiety and, and what we should do um, when when we feel that coming on. And, and so... Uh, but selective mutism is interesting because it's, you know, as children with selective mutism do not speak in some social situations where they're expected to speak, such as like school, um, you know, uh, you know, going to school, um, if you, you know, if you're going to church, um, you know, academic, like all kinds of different things uh, where it's like, okay, you expect them to communicate with people. You expect them to have this communication in these certain situations, but they just don't. Um, but the interesting is, is typically in other situations, they have no problem speaking. So like in their home, they'll in around like family members that they really, really know, they they will speak to, to those people quite freely and quite openly. Um, but the moment somebody comes in that they're not quite comfortable with, they shut down uh, and they stop speaking. Um, so the lack of speech may interfere with social communication, although children with this disorder sometimes use non-spoken or non-verbal means of communication. So a lot of grunting, pointing, sometimes they'll write things down depending on kind of age and, and their cognitive ability to, to do those things. Uh, the lack of speech can also have significant consequences in school, leading to academic problems and social isolation. Many children with selective mutism also experience excessive shyness, fear of social embarrassment, and high social anxiety. However, they typically have normal language skills. Most of the time, it has nothing to do with their ability to talk. It all typically has just with they aren't comfortable, they're fearful of and whatever that may look like. Uh, but selective mutism usually begins before age five, but it may not be formally identified until the children enter school. Many children will outgrow selective mutism. Uh, for children who also have a social anxiety disorder, selective mutism may disappear, but symptoms of social anxiety disorder may remain. So they may not have issues talking in class or communicating with friends and teacher as they get older, but they may, there still could be other things um, of anxiety that they deal with where, uh, like this, you know, they don't want to present their project in front of the class, things like that, taking tests, right? Test anxiety is a very real thing. Uh, so in all of that, you know, the cause of anxiety disorders are currently unknown, but they likely involve a combination of factors, including uh, could be genetic, environmental, psychological, and de developmental um, 
they you know it says anxiety disorders can run in families suggests that a combination of genes and environmental stress can be can produce the orders i me personally this is this is me personally okay i'm just gonna be flat out i don't think there's any genetic thing that links people to anxiety i think that's a stretch um, I think it is more of the environment that they grow up in or that they're that they're living in is what causes anxiety and causes that fear. Um, the way that the parents treat the kids, have, is there abuse, is there uh, trauma that has happened, is there, you know, so on and so forth in, in those sense as far as like children and uh, and even into adulthood I don't I do not think that this is a genetic thing I see what they're getting at with that but there's really nothing that can tie that um so basically the only way to get diagnosed with this is you go see a mental health professional um so first they want you to go see your doctor to make sure there's no physical problems that's causing the symptoms so tumors in the brain things like that we talked about that in the last one um those things can kind of mess with the way that you um that you function um as far as like in a physical sense um but uh otherwise you need to go talk with a mental health professional um and then they can they go through their their process of asking questions, things like that, listening. And then after that, they, um, they'll have you go through and, and seek the certain, the type of treatment that you need. Um, most of the time, the psychotherapy or talk therapy, um, is more than enough to, help with anxiety and work through anxiety um, to where you can lead a very normal common life. But uh, in some situations, medication could possibly be involved in this, um, especially if with panic disorders, things like that, that could be very dangerous. Like if you all of a sudden, especially if they come out of nowhere, um, you know, or seemingly out of nowhere, that you know, it could be in a dangerous situation and put yourself in a dangerous situation where medication may be necessary to just to manage that and move forward while you're moving forward on the cognitive, like behavior therapy um, side of things and just kind of changing the way that you're thinking and seeing these things. And so all of that, man, like I said, there's a whole lot to that. Um, you know, this website's actually very, you know, instructional and it's, it's it's a good thing to read here there's quite a bit more here that kind of goes into like self-help and coping and managing and how to do some of those things and they even give some like related conditions that may also help with you know or not help but may also kind of go in you know side by side with anxiety things like that so i would highly recommend going for educational purposes or whatever it is to go and just give it a read. It's worth the read. It's worth to take a look at it. Obviously, that's all the mental health world. Um, the Bible actually talks a lot about this. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, which is what we're going to get into on this, gives a very good explanation into that. We're going to jump on over to Matthew 6. 
Um, this is a very, very common one that is used. You've probably heard this before. You know, I highly recommend if you haven't read this, you, you know, either read along with us, open up your Bible, mark this things. If, if anxiety is something that you deal with, you know, this is going to be super useful and super helpful. So Matthew chapter six, starting in verse 25, it says, uh, this is the ESV translation. So it's, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is is its own trouble. Before we dive in a little bit more into this particular scripture, so the word that is used for anxious or uh, or anxiety in this particular passage that Jesus uses, the word that Jesus uses is also the same word that is used in other parts of scripture. I want to go over uh, before we continue to kind of flood into that one. So 1 Corinthians 12, 24, and 25 and then we're also going to go over to Philippians 2, 19 and 20. So so starting uh, chapter 12, verse 24. Uh, or here, let's go back. That's starting in the middle of a sentence. Um, so let's actually start in verse 25. So that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Now, what's interesting is the same word that Jesus used for anxiousness is also used here for the word care, right? And then let's go over to Philippians 2, uh, starting in verse 19. So I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. So once again, the word concerned that he uses here is the same word that Jesus uses over in Matthew chapter 6. There is 
a sense of anxiety, so to speak, that is good, which that was one thing that I talked about on that blog post that I really thought was cool, was that some sense of anxiety or fear over a situation is good because our bodies naturally are supposed to react to certain things in a way to keep us safe or to keep others safe right? Like it's a very natural thing for our bodies to have care or concern over a situation, right? So here in Philippians chapter two, you know, Paul is writing to them basically saying, hey, I'm going to send Timothy over to you guys because to kind of report in basically. Um, But I'm sending him to you because he is somebody who's genuinely going to be concerned for their welfare. He genuinely wants to make sure that they're okay. This is something that is actually good, right? And having care, like having concern for somebody isn't bad. So like, we could probably all talk about certain situations that we come up like somebody, you know, for instance, I have, we have a really good friend uh, who just got diagnosed with breast cancer and there was some initial just concern for them. Like my first thought was like, obviously she's going through a lot of things with this, but I also wanted to check in on her husband who I'm really good friends with. And I want to make sure, okay, what, where are we at? How is this? How are things going? And so occasionally we, you know, we reach out to them and we want to talk to them and, you know, we want to check up on them because we're concerned for their welfare. Right. And, you know, we're concerned for how they're thinking and things like that. Like that's actually normal. That is supposed to happen, right? So that's not anxiety, right? That is like having a concern for somebody, right? And then when we go back over to 1 Corinthians, you know, it mentioned the word care, you know, that, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. To kind of give some background into what we're reading in this particular passage, so this is talking about, this is that, you know, if you've been in church for any extended period of time, you've heard talk about how the church body, right? The church is gets referenced as a body, and that, you know, if if the toe is not functioning correctly, then the whole body feels that happening, right? And so that, and that just kind of goes back to the church, right? If there's somebody in the church who is not doing what they're supposed to, or something's happened to them, you know, or, you know, whatever it may be, the situation, that when somebody in the church is hurting, or having a bad attitude, or whatever it is, then the whole body feels that right because it reflects on the whole body when that happens you know the eye cannot say to the hand i have no need for you nor again the head to the feet uh, i have no need for you on the contrary the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require but god has so composed the body 
giving greater honor to to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. The, you know, just because there's somebody in the church that has kind of further along in their sanctification process, so to speak, or they financially been, you know, blessed by God and somebody else may not be, but that doesn't make one part more than the other. If anything, the one who we see as, quote, lesser, you know, or dispensable, right, or weaker, we got to view those as indispensable, right? We view those people as like they need more so and more honor and more that way that there is no division in body in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another, right? That we care, you know? And so going back to the situation with my friend, right, who got diagnosed with breast cancer and her husband and their family's going through some difficult things right now. It's one thing to have concern, but also for the body to step out and figure out ways that we can also care for the people that are going through those. So another person that we had in our church congregation um, who got diagnosed with cancer, had you know, went through chemo, and this gentleman is very much a firecracker. Like, dude is a hard worker, and he was not able to do what he's supposed to do. And naturally, it wasn't right for us to assume that his wife could just pick it up and go. What did we do as a body? Like, we got together, and we made sure that we had people out there to help in any way that we possibly could, whether it was bringing meals uh, or doing, you know, they had kind of a, they had a farm. And so we helped them with their farm work um, with no cost, things like that. And that's what the body's supposed to do. And that's what this is talking about. Right. And so we care for our people because the church is not just the building. It's the people. The church is the people. And so we got to care for the members of the body. And when we care for the members of the body, when one is suffering, we all suffer together. But when that person is restored and we're, and that person is being honored, we all rejoice together, right? And that's just the amazing way that the church works together. There is a level of concern and care that is desirable, right? That is not, you know, quote, sin. So in what way does anxiety go past the foothold into anxiousness, into this panic disorders, into all of this stuff. And then going back now to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus makes it very, very clear that this is something that we need to repent of, right? Because ultimately, when we cross the line over into anxiety from concern and from care into anxiety is because we have, in essence, wanted to take care of the situation ourselves. And so what does that look like when we try to take care of a situation ourselves? Um, So, you know, in a job situation, right, you're stressed out at work, and instead of relying on God 
to take care of the situation, you know that you're doing everything you can and you're honoring God in your work, then we should be able to go to work without stress, without without worry. In essence, what we end up doing is we try to take care of the situations the situation by yourself, right? So we have a bigger bill coming up and something, you know, the bills didn't come out the way that you wanted them to come out. And so you, you freak out. And instead of just going to God and, and, and asking him, you know, kind of laying that anxiety and laying that all, you know, the, the worries that we have humbly onto him, instead of doing that, then we kind of, we freak out and we go into this overhaul mode of I got to I have to take care of this I have to be the one that does this I have to I need to work more hours I need to go find a second job I need to you know and then we start getting anxious and we start getting worried and we start trying to take things into our own hand and in essence we're trying to play God right like in essence we're trying to do what God does and we can't and we never will. And so I think that's why God allows people to go into these situations, even into the point that they're having panic attacks, think that they're having heart attacks and have, you know, that God allows people to do that to show them you are not God. You can't be God. When we read this, it's very, very clear that Jesus is saying, why are you worried for these things? Because if the Father feeds them, then he's going to feed you because he cares more for you. He brings all of this, all the worries and the cares, he brings it back to God, right? Like, why are you worried about that bill? Why are you worried about that person? Why are you worried about those things? Because does not God take care of everything that you see? You go outside and you realize that everything is functioning. Like, even if you just sat outside for a little bit and watched the God's creation work and move, it's insane when you look at all of that and you see how God has organized and how he's put everything in place. And then you can have comfort to know that God's organized and put things in place to line out for you. That may end up being us having to go through a tough situation to grow, right? I'm not saying that God, you know, God doesn't allow situations to happen to us so that we grow, right? We saw that. You just go read Job. Job lost absolutely everything. And in the end, he was closer to God than he had ever been before, right? Like that story is such an amazing, I'm actually reading through Job right now, and it's such an amazing story. God is going to take care of us. You can have trust in that, right? Like you can trust God. And I bet if I asked you guys to send me stories, which I'd be down, I would love to hear. So like you guys send me stories about ways that God, like God just came through and took care of you and to, or care of somebody that you love that you just blew your mind man i would love to hear those stories man if you want to send them to us dadology theology at gmail.com but the thing is ultimately guys is that when we put ourselves in a situation where we're not trusting in god we're not trusting that he's going to take care of us we're not trusting that he's going to have a hand over that situation that we're not trusting that in his promises then yeah, we're going to be anxious. We're going to have, we may even to the point of having 
panic attacks and things like that, God is still there. And so what do we do? Well, number one, you got to repent. You got to give it to God. So to kind of put it in a picture, so let's say, you know, you and your friends lived in a neighborhood that the neighborhood was kind of lined up a busy street. And across the way from the busy street is a cul-de-sac where it seems safe, right? And so you and your friends went over to the cul-de-sac or your parents would send you over to the cul-de-sac to play and to run around and things like that instead of being on the busy street. And it's because that was where it seemed safe over there, right? But the thing is, so in, in the picture of anxiety and the picture of worry and where anxiety lives is over in the cul-de-sac, right? Because that's where we're trying to hold on to it. That's in the cul-de-sac is where we feel in control. But what we should be doing is we should allow our worries and our cares, intrusive thoughts, all of that stuff should go on to the busy road and be sent off to God. When you're in it, you got to repent. You got to give it to God. You got to lay it down at his feet and let God just take it from you because he can handle it. We're not meant to do the things that God does. And I'm not saying that we need to stop working hard. I'm I'm not saying that we need to just become potatoes on a couch, right? God has a purpose for us to work hard because he's a hardworking God. You know, when we're having moments where we're fearful and our fears pushing us into this anxiety is when, hey, okay, God, I'm, I'm taking too much on in this situation. I need to give it to you, God, and let you take care of it. We, then we keep on moving, right? We keep on working. And so, so yeah, number one, got to repent. Number two, we have to behold God's character, have faith in God's character, trust in God's character. But you have to know God's character first. This is kind of where getting into God's word and learning about him and knowing him is going to break you away from a lot of those these situations. So beholding God's character, learning about him, it's he's such an amazing and powerful and all-knowing God that it can easily deal with any of the situations that we deal with in life. But we also then need to take our, you know, take our cares to him, which I mentioned. But the interesting thing with that is it's not just taking our cares to him, but the word of God actually says, humble yourself, casting all your cares on him for he cares for you. So coming to him humbly casting it all on him take the cares for him but you have you got to humble yourself you come in super prideful oh that doesn't look good (laughs) right Uh, i think we've all done it especially as men we get caught up in our pride very easily but then we need to identify the things that are causing us to be anxious we we're going to cast our anxiety on him but then we need to reflect and ask god to reveal to us like hey what is going on why am i being anxious why am i so afraid is is it my incessant need to be in control is it my worry do i do i worry that god isn't enough is my faith still weak and needs to be strengthened like it can be a multitude of things but you know just continue to ask god like pray and ask him like god please reveal to me what's causing this and then kind of go back through the cycle, right? Know his character, cast it upon him, repent of those things, 
But then I think one of the most important things, um, obviously letting God take care of it is the most important thing. But then I think another thing that really, really plays a big part in this, and this goes back to that first Corinthians there about the one body, don't do this life alone, right? Like go and find, you know, go to a, a life group that you're in and talk to the people in your life group. You know, go to your elders or pastors of your church and and discuss with them about what's going on in your life and how anxiety is just completely, you know, overwhelming you in this season of life, whatever it is. You know, go see a therapist. Go, you know, there's all kinds of steps that you could take. And the reason why I say this is because, like I said, in 1 Corinthians, it says if the part that we see is weaker, you know, we need to treat them with with even more honor and even more right we got to treat them with more we got to help those who are in need and show care for them and so you yes god is ultimately the only thing you need but god has also through his word showed us that or shown us that the body of christ is used to strengthen each other and so yes god is number one but the body is necessary to strengthen it as well. Don't live this life alone. Don't do this thing alone. Reach out to somebody and ask for them to pray with you, alongside with you. Don't dump. Okay, we're not don't we're not dump trucks. Okay? Like it's not people's job like that. You dump on God and then you go and ask for for people to pray for you right like we are going to go forward and we are going to have the body of Christ come alongside us and help us sanctify and get us into a position where we know God better so that is kind of your process right that is what you're going to do in order to start becoming free of anxiety to actually have healing from anxiety to change the way you think right that you don't have to do all of it you don't have to be in control over it in fact you shouldn't be and so we can know that we can just cast this all onto god so that god will then lift us up give us peace that passes all understanding and then we go and we find somebody to to do this life with somebody that can be their prayer warrior for us right and then as we do all of that i think you'll find yourself not having to deal with anxiety anymore as a final challenge to all of this is uh, you know start with humbling yourself and coming before god we don't come before god puffed up we come before god on our knees find a quiet place find a spot somewhere where you can just go down and say god i can't do this anymore i can't be in control of this anymore we're going to cast it on you so i hope that this helps i hope that this gives you a direction i hope that you can really start finding freedom and help when you feel anxiety when you're having these moments uh and just know that god's with you and know that he's always with you uh, even when we don't feel him, and even when we want to walk away, when even when we want to go in the other direction, he's he's always with us. Because if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, right? The Holy Spirit's the most important part of of this in our lives, right? Like him be living inside of you, you have the power 
to have peace, self-control, all of that. And so, men, uh, before I go, I just want to pray for you as we do every episode. Um, I want to I want to just kind of lay this down. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, God, we just I just want to lift each and every man listening to this right now. Lord, I want to lift him up to you, God. We come before you humbly, come before you, God, knowing that you're the almighty God, the great I am, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the God who humbles, the God who heals. Lord, whatever situation that we're going through, we trust you. We trust in your plan. We have faith that in your promises, God. Lord, help us to understand your heart better and be able to see the world as you see the world. God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.